It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about Crunch Chocolate Bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I've got up early. I've driven across the sort of heart of England from my home in South Wales to the borders of Buckinghamshire and Oxfordshire to meet Professor Fiona Stafford. Good morning, Fiona. Hello. Good morning, Fergus. It's very nice to see you. This is very exciting. We're in the town of Brill. Is it a town or a village? Would you say town? Oh, it's really a village, I would say, in terms of its size and its population. But um, a town in character, a little town in character. Beautiful red brick built town of... Oh, on a hill, yeah. Yes, yes. So a hilltop town in, in, in part of the country that's not very hilly. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, and that, that's where its name comes from. Um, Brill. Brill, yes. It's from um, Greg and Hill, and you oh, run okay. it together, and it's a, so it means hill, hill. <laughs> so it's obviously the thing that's always struck people about it. <laughs> ah, let's go to hill. Brill. Exactly, okay. exactly, because the Vale of Aylesbury is pretty flat. That, that runs along the north, and then you've got this just this hill here. Um, well I'm here to talk about your book and you're going to show me some of the interesting sites in your book but to everyone out there welcome to the podcast. I'm Fergus, I'm your host and welcome to another adventure, a wintry adventure where we, where we sort of tell tales from the landscape but fortunately I'm not telling the tale, it's up to you Fiona. So. <laughs> <laughs> well there's lots of, lots of tales in every landscape but um, Brill I think is very, very interesting, very ancient ancient place with lots of history um, which you wouldn't really be able to tell now if you're just coming here for a drink or an ice cream or something but as soon as you start looking it all begins to make sense and that's one of the things I'm really interested in is just reading the landscape I suppose um, seeing things that look a bit odd and a bit out of place and thinking oh and what's that how did that get there how long has that been there so, so it's a detective work yeah there's the... an element of that 
And your, oh, there's a red kite just taking off ahead. Oh, yes, perfect. And you would, you, this is real red yes. kite country. It, it is, it is, exactly. But you don't always see them. Well, we ordered that one. <laughs> we did. <laughs> um, so yeah. Your book is called Time and Tide. Yes. And so can you give listeners a little bit of an idea of, I've read some of it, not all of it, but um, Thank can you. you give listeners a bit of an idea of what talked about detective work in the countryside. Yes, it's really um, about the surprise of the landscape and sometimes places that you just happen to be, you see something that, that looks out of place. And very often when you do a little bit of finding out about it, you find that at one time it was it was very much in place. <laughs> so there's this sense of of the, the landscape being in a state of constant change over the, over the centuries. I think we have this idea of the country as this sort of unchanging green place but actually you know it's always been changing yeah Um, I suppose a lot of people go to the countryside because it seems so well calmer and less frantic and less changeable than city urban life working life I think I think they do but then on the other hand some people think it's a bit boring because it doesn't change and actually once you start really seeing what's there just looking at the details you do discover this this amazingly dynamic place full of stories um, so I'm interested in the stories that you can't see immediately, but you might get a, a sense of, and then you get a bit more, and the whole place starts to be quite scratching quite full. the surface to find. Yeah, well, this is an amazing place. We've sort of walked to the edge of the town, and we're on a, a sort of little promontory with a windmill. Yes. And then, I mean, just astonishing views. Yeah, it's astonishing fabulous. views. Where, where are we looking towards then? We're looking south from here. Is this? Yeah, if we're looking over there, that's that would be the sun's up there. It's south southwest so if you if we, uh, the red kite yeah. <laughs> can probably see oxford i don't think we can oh, is that because sort of... i think there's a hill but um it's in that direction so there's sort of hills to the immediate sort of southwest yes Ch- edge of the chilterns would that be or um I don't really, yeah I'm yes really yeah just the, just the, just, yeah. just about the m40 goes along oh, yeah. through there you can probably just hear it in the distance and it goes through the Chilterns, yeah. So that that that's the Chilterns over there. I see. We're, this is a fantastic viewpoint. It, it is. It is amazing. You can see why there's always been a settlement there. They think there yeah. may have even been, um, you know, an Iron Age hill fort up here originally. Definitely see um, your enemies coming. Yeah, yeah. Though of course it was once right in the middle of a huge forest. Um, oh really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. The town itself. Yeah. It was the sort of centre of Burnwood Forest, oh. which was an old royal hunting forest. So. So that's changed. It's changed hugely. <laughs> I mean, you do find once you know that you then do find odd pockets of woodland and ancient woodland uh, right across this this area um, uh, which is still part of Burnwood Forest once upon a time yeah exactly exactly so you mentioned um, Hillfort to my uninitiated eyes these ramparts and ditches all around us <laughs> could be ancient earthworks that's what they look like isn't it I know bit. when I first came up here years ago and saw them I assumed it must be at the site of a lost village a plague village or something yeah. um, because having lived in Lincolnshire I was used to seeing Lots of deserted villages yeah. yeah exactly and then somebody explained to me that no in fact um, they're disused clay pits and then suddenly everything fell into place it makes sense and you then think oh well that'll be why the village of Brill is full of brick built houses they didn't um, have to go far for their clay they didn't no no I mean a very kind of sustainable yeah. <laughs> kind of building really you know you dig a hole and then you build your, <laughs> build your house yes. right next oh. to it no no need to travel very far with things so um, when was this brickworks in full flow 
Well, it seems to go back quite a long time. And then I think in the 19th century, it got more kind of industrial. But it goes right back. And they're also um, making pottery as well, so the tiles too. So, so the clay's been dug here. Oh, well back to the medieval period, there's a pottery, a medieval pottery. But um, long gone now, obviously. Oh, yeah, long long gone. Yeah. But but it's just a fabulous um, area. It's so interesting. And there's something... It looks something. like a mountain biker's paradise or yeah. a BMX biker's paradise. It sort of jumps yeah. and it looks, looks like people have played all over this. Exactly, yeah. Now, I, I used to bring the, my, my children up here and, you know, we used to have picnics and every sort of adventure game you could have it's here. Amazing. It's amazing. It is extraordinary. You've come across a lot of these in ex-industrial sites that have been swallowed up by nature. Is that often mm. the sort of... Well, is that what intrigues you most or is there, are there certain things that draw you to the landscape? There's lots of things that draw me to the landscape, whether there's evidence of industry or not. But one of the things I was looking at in the book, because I was interested in places that seemed a bit strange, sometimes it turns out the reason they're strange is that they were once really bustling places yeah. and now everybody's gone. I've always been interested in that in the Highlands where you know you can be on a really remote mountain walk and then you'll come across a deserted village uh, with maybe a couple of rowan trees or something. Clearances. Yeah, yeah. And, and people yeah. having to having to emigrate or being yeah. cleared for sheep or whatever. So I think there's something incredibly atmospheric and moving about places where, you know, you know there have been people living in a normal way, as we all are, and then suddenly they're not there anymore. Yeah, um, that's so so it's, it's full of ghosts, the book, really. Um, but the, the like ghosts that, that, yeah. the ghosts that everybody can actually see and feel if they're just looking at places in a particular way so that's really one of the main things I'm trying to convey in the book yeah okay because we're standing by this windmill I want to come back to that whole mm. idea and particularly I want to hear about other places that have stirred your soul mm. atmosphere but well, we, we've got this wooden windmill with a big wheel yeah which doesn't look like that works anymore but that's how it would have turned or, or, yeah. or, or would have turned how did this work this well part it's part uh, of the brickworks well, no, I think it's a post mill. I think because there were lots of people living and working here, they needed they needed bread and they needed oh, okay. food. So I think right. there, there were once two windmills in in Brill, but this one this one survived and been restored. And I think they must have put it here because we're right on this hill. So the wind must have get been really strong. Here. I think yeah. you still get decent wind. I mean, not this morning; it's incredibly <laughs> we're doing well. still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, the sun has come out. It's it, a really beautiful. It is another of these beautiful January days. Yeah. I mean, I don't know Oxfordshire very well. Buckinghamshire at all well but this didn't expect to be in a hilltop town <laughs> with 360 degrees view yeah well, I mean, we can walk over to the other side and see see the views see the other the side because yeah. actually the character the other way the hills are quite different in shape and character and there's all sorts of different stories over there too yeah. well we were saying before I turned the recorder on that it's not a part of the world that people come specifically for holidays when you think about coast or mountains mm. or lakes but actually there's a lot to find here. Lots of layers, yeah. And, and actually, I mean, if you are coming on holiday, you'd probably come in the summer, but I think there's something about January when it's clear and all the trees are bare because you can see more. Oh, see, I love to see the trees in full leaf, yes. but actually at this time of the year, you know, you can see through the trees and that, that gives it an extra, That's extra a good character. Vote. Good vote for getting outside in January because it's not always January and February. Normally the months are the hardest to stir people from there. Yeah. Uh, go out and enjoy the countryside. 
so I'm very interested in places that you've explored, particularly ones where you felt that atmosphere and felt that sense of loss, the sense of... Mm. Was there any, anywhere in particular just to tell yeah. listeners where to go? or what to... Yeah, there are lots of very strange places. I mean, one of the places I was very struck by... Um, was Whittlesea, which is in the Fens, yeah, yeah. which I, I find has a very strange atmosphere. And that was somewhere where there was, you know, England's biggest freshwater lake until it was completely drained away in the 19th century. So, I mean, that's just extraordinary. I read yeah, the chapter. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Drained, you called the chapter. And it's just bizarre, bigger than Windermere. Yeah, huge. <laughs> so one of the things I think is helpful now when there are big infrastructure projects going on is to try and think you know long term and what might be the consequences yeah. of this um that's it we have a bit more foresight or certainly we've got the lessons of history to hopefully <laughs> we should have we're not more very foresight. good at, we're, we're not, yeah. <laughs> i don't think we always uh, exercise it because uh, no. we often other considerations with some um, short termism and um yeah nobody was really concerned about losing species it was all about let's I'd, get some lovely farmland yeah i don't think it even occurred to them no. i think they thought well this will help to feed london which yeah. is growing they weren't kind of thinking about insects as things that were special i mean that's a very recent realization that we've had yes. how important insects are yeah. um Yes, not just an irritation, but uh, fundamental to our existence. Y- yes, I- exactly, exactly. No. So is it the Great Fen project then that's restored? Yes, okay. it is. Yes, okay, that's yes. an interesting project. And that's a really interesting place to go and walk around and has a very, very different kind of atmosphere and character because, as you say, we're now on this, on this hill in the yeah. middle of a vale. But, oh. it, but it's interesting in its own way in those wide skies. It's very evocative. It's very evocative in in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wonder how long I could last there, someone who lives (laughs) among mountains. So one of the things I was really surprised by, having been, you know, coming to Brill over many years on and off, was to discover that there had been a spa here in the 19th century. So we had a royal palace in the medieval yeah. times, a spa in the... In the 19th century, which then is completely invisible, except that on the OS map you see this little wood called Spa Wood, and that's that's where it was. Really? So wood has yeah. grown up over the spa? Yeah. What, yeah. So the waters here were prized or...? Yeah, it was um, a, a Calibia well, um, so a spring with uh, iron mineral water um, yeah. which was the sort of thing that when they discovered it at Harrogate and yeah. Scarborough and Tunbridge Wells and um, Cheltenham they, they turned into enormous money resorts. spinners yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, money yeah, spinners yeah. yeah health resorts they and found like, there was great so we've got some water that's, that's coming it. out of the earth and yeah yeah we can, we can attract some people here so that there have been attempts to make it a real holiday centre um, and it's interesting to see which ones caught on and which ones didn't. I think I think Brawl was a bit late. They didn't find it till the eighteen thirties and by that stage I think um Spa Mania was over. I think yeah. it was. I think <laughs> it was. But it, it's another thing that is very interesting I think because we'll go over there and you'll see that you just wouldn't guess at all. But there on the OS map there was this little spa word. And these little clues. So if you're attentive to place names and things, so it's surprising what you then unravel. <laughs> it's amazing. So if you were to sort of say to, if someone said, Oh Fiona, how do I go about my do you just stare at the OS map or how do I go about learning about my local area? What's your advice to people? Well just go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, <just laughs> I think it's the is the first thing. Yeah. But then also um, it, it is interesting if you're curious about something you can just think oh, I wonder why that's called that or why yeah. that's there 
Um, so something like Spa Wood, which is quite different from the other kind of names of woods around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you think, oh, well, why, why would that be called Spa Wood? And then do a bit of research and you find, you know, that it was quite thriving and that there was a spa hotel up here. It was bombed at the end of the Second World War, so it's disappeared completely. But there is... Um, there is a spa close here. Um, it's one of the so so often little, just little place names that Memories. seem a bit strange. Well, yeah. I love it when you. Well, I don't love it when you sort of see Nightingale close. Oh. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's ah uh, really yes yeah, yeah. something so meadows. Go down here. <laughs> so what I'm I'm really interested in is the sort of the unconscious act of forgetting that people quite quickly, or maybe not quickly. Maybe you can sort of shed some light on this, but. How do things become so, it's quite major things, become forgotten? And, uh, and how many generations does it take? Yeah, well, it's always good if you ever get the chance to talk to older people who have lived somewhere all their lives. I'm always fascinated by those people in those situations, yeah. partly probably because I moved so much. I don't have that kind of connection with anywhere. So I'm really interested always in people who've lived in the same village all their lives and their parents did and yeah. they have relations all over. And very often they will know all kinds of things that you wouldn't you wouldn't guess. So that's that's another way of finding out because um yeah. the oral tradition is much, much stronger and more kind of alive still than we sometimes give it credit for I think. I, may, I think the, the internet and the sense that history is written in one way and mm. there's, there's nothing mm. else if it's not in the books or it's not on the internet it doesn't exist. But exactly yeah yeah. So what did you just hang out at, in pubs and look for likely <laughs> candidates for a, well, <laughs> a chinwag? Yeah, just just sort of chatting to people yeah, really yeah, if sure. you're out and about and you yeah. kind of express interest people are often very happy to have a chat with you actually yeah, yeah. and also the internet is also a great resource because very often people have posted up historic photos they can be really really interesting if you get onto a site where there are historic photos yeah. um, you can sort of recognize things I mean like some of these trees will have been here um, you know couple of hundred years so you can locate yourself and then you can see what was there and you think oh there's nothing there now that's amazing but you can kind of start to imagine it this is a spectacular spot actually it's, we're it's gonna go beautiful through, yeah yeah you're happy to do that yeah gates of the podcast we like a nice squeaky gate no, this is a good noisy gate yeah. and also there's no traffic down here no, but you see what i mean the character on this side is is quite different yes it's more wooded coombs and yeah exactly um, definitely the Chilterns in the distance yeah. that's what northern spur of them that's right and, and Bedfordshire you, ahead then yeah and over there there's a just a beautiful isolated farm just sitting on oh, top gosh, of a hill it? yeah what so a wonderful it's really spot. lovely and these yeah. lovely um you know old oaks and things yeah. but over here you can see bits of burnwood as well so you do from this side i think get mm. it's much easier to imagine that this was all kind of hunting forest yeah, a few hundred medieval, years ago. The medieval forest yeah. still clinging on in little pockets. In the, exactly. I think that's amazing that it hasn't been cleared or, you know, it still yeah. clings on. Not very well known. It's got more chance now, I think, um, than it probably had 50 yes, years ago. I, I think you're probably right. I so think people uh, are very, very kind of protective of their ancient woodlands. Yes, rightly so. But there's, there's, so we've got this great view across yeah. 
a veil, sort of more, but more discreet here than the, the big veil to the south. It's, yes, exactly, of, exactly. Um, and very quiet as well. Yeah. So where is Sparwood here? Is that... Right, Sparwood, if we walk a bit further yeah, down, sure. we can see it on the left-hand side, so that would be slightly further north, is a wood called, I think it's called um, Chingwell Wood or Chinkwell Wood, um, which is a relic of Burnwood and then spa woods on the other side you can see this is the old sort of avenue down to the spa because there's a spa farm uh, which is another clue mm. and I think they so there would have been a, a tree-lined avenue well, this yeah. is a tree-lined avenue still but these trees, it is. Are, these yeah. trees are sort of these 40 are 50 years old newer yeah. but I think they must have been planted to maintain this that's avenue superb yeah lovely but that's spa wood down there just, just in this quite hollow small here but yeah, yeah. And it's not got footpaths, so I don't go into it. But again, this is something I discovered doing a bit of research into the spa. There are Edwardian photos of it, and it's already in ruins. And you get, because they're black and white photos, they have their own kind of ghostly quality. Yes. And then among the trees, which are quite young trees at the time, you just see these um, kind of neoclassical buildings and things and broken pillars. It's very, very atmospheric. Is there any of that? ruins still in there or has it all been very little i think it's nearly all gone i think there's the odd little kind of pillar and post but um oh, how interesting that there's these sort of fragments of relatively modern yeah. but, but quickly forgotten again it's going it's coming back to that whole forgetting thing that yeah people some memories are carried on in names obviously and that's but it's just astounding how sort of made you think that just life goes on I suppose and you have to just live in the moment a bit because that's that's what well, you've got to do to survive but. you do but actually I think it's incredibly kind of it sort of amplifies the present moment yeah. if you're thinking about all the other people who've yeah, yeah. been down this same track um, leading their lives I think it puts your own life in perspective actually um, that, that sense that you know <laughs> you seem to be kind of on a walk and you might think oh here i am you know all my troubles all the, yeah all my burdens and, yeah uh, yeah and then uh, but also that you're kind of exploring uncharted territory yeah. <laughs> you discover there have been people living here for ages yes yeah, yeah. centuries it's just that you're not actually seeing them and then you do start to see them um once you're once you're thinking about it um so we've walked down this lovely avenue with rooks which are thinking of nesting already. They may already be on their colonies. And what's this big house in the trees here? That, I think, was Dorton House, which is oh. now Ashfold School. Ah, um, it's a school tucked in this beautiful that's, valley. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then the little farm you can see, which is yeah. actually that little one you get nearer, that, that spa farm. Ah, so this is the spa around this here. This was the spa, yeah. So there would have been people coming down in carriages, I should think, or horse-drawn cars, or some people on foot, perhaps, but... The thing with spas was they were targeting invalids, so yeah. I think they had had people taking them down. Had to be carriages. Yeah, and, uh, that's it. And then in that wood there, um, that's that's where, that's where it the ruins are. where it was. Looks yeah, really interesting. And this is one of these places where it, it just has quite a strange atmosphere when you get down there. Um, it just feels so different from the little town we were walking around, yeah. doesn't it? You, yes. you know, you walk a few hundred yards. Mm-hmm. And then you seem to be in a completely different sort of land. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry we haven't seen more red kites because... Well, we've had one, which is pretty oh, that good. Was, that but your chapter on red kites was very interesting because that was um, not so much landscape, although related to this landscape, but it's a bird that was once extremely common that became incredibly rare. Yeah. And now has come back to be very, very common. 
yeah. uh, in, in places, particularly here, this part of the world. They're very but, divisive birds, yeah. it seems. Where I'm in Wales, we have a few red kites nesting. Not that many, mm. but deeper into the Banai or into Powys, you get feeding stations where you can see two mm. or three hundred in the air at one time. Oh yeah, and that's uh, an amazing sight. Incredible, incredible. Because they're so big, actually. Yeah. I think that's what people are Massive. taken aback by. They are huge it's birds. So buoyant. Like, yeah. Compared to a buzzard, which is a lovely bird, but red kites seem to really just float. <laughs> they and do, they do. I was, you always get the sense, I know you're not supposed to anthropomorphise, but you just get a sense they're really enjoying yes, <laughs> floating they, around and they, they finding their to, currents. <laughs> it's effortless and it seems like a, a lot of fun, but not everybody likes red kites. No. And for some people they are a sign of these awful predators that we, we exactly. let get out of control. Yeah, and I, and I can understand, you know, if they've had a go at your cat or something. Well, that was the story in your book, yeah. that someone's cat had actually been... I don't think the cat was attacking it. I think it thought it was carrion, if it oh, was asleep. Oh, right. It was <laughs> um, yeah, OK, don't fall asleep <coughs> under a red kite. That's no, the, no, no exactly. Lesson, particularly cats. Be careful about sunbathing if, yeah, there, yeah. Are, if there are red kites about. But uh, that's that's a whole other podcast, perhaps. It, it is, yeah. <laughs> I think I think so. But yeah. but I think it, it is a very good example of other things you find in the countryside, and you can assume you just. I think we all do it. We make assumptions based on what we see, what we know, and you. Yeah. As soon as you take the long view, you then realise that actually, as you say, they were once very common. Yeah, and common be, in the cities, as you. <coughs> as you sort yeah. Of, Which must have been extraordinary. Imagine yeah. them. Swooping in and out of every alleyway, picking up trash or whatever. Yeah, and, and also, horribly, when there used to be, you know, gallows around and corpses, Yeah. there were red kites there as well, and that <laughs> gives them a really kind of macabre character, which I don't think helps their No, they get, <laughs> you were talking, talking about them being painted in particularly <laughs> ghastly sort of yeah. poses and things like that, which give them a, a particularly hard look compared yeah. to some of the other birds of prey, which are, yeah, exactly. Give more friendly faces. And that, that also helps demonise them. It does, and I, th- and I think we're kind of more influenced by stories about animals and assumptions that we, we pick up from here, there, and everywhere than we, we always realise. And then they became seen as very vulnerable <laughs> because of there being so, so few left. Yes, I, I, well, they, they were probably actively persecuted or... Was it just the clearing up of the streets meant that there wasn't enough food for them? I don't know quite, quite how red kites came to be so rare. There's a whole, um, probably a whole kind of range of different things, and I, yeah. I think probably they were suffering from pesticides and that kind of thing yeah, as well. for sure. Egg collectors, all, all kinds of different things. I do think they grace every motorway journey on the M4. <laughs> but do. <laughs> yeah, you know, they are a, a real success story in terms of reintroducing and uh, it being successful yeah this is icy puddles here Um, yeah when we've got so many stories of loss and almost irreversible loss of some bird bird populations we've got we have red kites fantastic yeah and Uh, and that is really encouraging yeah we can do it we can and we can do it with all sorts of things yeah the other thing i find very upsetting is how many birds that people assume are very common because they have that association like sparrows and then turn out to be not common at all but actually you know well we saw that little flock of starlings earlier yes exactly. it's lovely to see but they they, they would be 
thousands of them here in yeah. 20 years ago. It would, exactly. So, so the speed of the decline is terrifying. So yeah. I think we do need to you know, kind of do something about it. And we can do something about it. We forget the abundance. Yeah. Or subsequent generations grow up thinking, yeah. oh, birds aren't very common. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then that's terrifying. And it doesn't occur to them that there could and should be just hundreds around it could be all incredible. the time. Yeah, they okay. could all be hearing birdsong every morning. You sound very hopeful. In fact, we've got some sparrows singing here as well. Oh, che- yes, cheaping away. But um, you sound very hopeful. Are you, uh, through all your travels, do you feel positive about the countryside and its sort of future? Not just um, the natural sites, but also some of the historic sites. Uh, well, I mean, I think there are threats everywhere we look. I think it's important to remain hopeful because if you don't, you can just think, oh, well, that's going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. And then, of course, it will happen. That is a sort of self-fulfilling point of view. Whereas if you're thinking, well, actually, look at red kites or look at, you know, farmer just just near where I live has left a a strip, just a small strip of his field um, to wildflowers and things. And by the next year, lots of different butterflies had returned. You know, so quickly there is this bounce back. But that does give me hope, and I think we kind of need to hang on to the hope and make the hope happen, because, you know, it it is a a choice, really. Whereas if you're just uh, understandably depressed by all the different things that are sort of against nature, and you look at the decline over the last 20 years, of course... Ecological despair. Ecological despair, but that also can lead to inactivity, because you think, well, there's no point in doing anything. And actually, there's every point in doing things. Good place to finish, I think. So, so that's yeah. what I try to do. Well, the book is called Time and Tide, published by... John Murray. John Murray, OK. So, Fiona, thank you so much. It's been oh. an absolutely brilliant, lovely day to it's spend been... with you in, uh, on a hilltop town. Well, thank you. It's been a huge pleasure. <laughs> Squint and it could be Italy. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three great words. Free fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dollar one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 1231.24. Excludes tax. Must update rewards. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So that was a really fun day out in a part of the countryside I don't know very well. So I'm very grateful to Professor Fiona Stafford there for taking me around and showing me that wherever you are in the countryside, there are always stories. And I I liked her advice, which is have a look on the map, look for strange names in your locality, 
talk to local people, just chat while you're out on walks or wherever. And these stories emerge and you can find some unique tales that you won't find anywhere else. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back for more lovely adventures next week where I'm actually down on the River Severn looking at a ship graveyard, another brilliant tale from the landscape. As ever, we really love to get feedback, likes and positive reviews, so it helps us enormously. You can email me and the team on editor at countryfile.com. We particularly love to hear any recordings that you've made of the countryside, anything at all. Birdsong at this time of the year is, is, well, it's getting louder and more varied. The very best recording or email or social media post that we receive, we'll send out a book from our podcast library. So it'll be a nature book, something lovely. Uh, we've got a lovely array of things here. And when we notice we're not doing a plot chat with the team this week, what we thought we'd do is just do once a month, we'll do a roundup of studio chat with the team and read out any emails and letters that we've had, plus talk about some of the big issues that arise through the podcast. So sometimes we touch on controversial issues or things that need a little bit more talk in the studio. So join us for that. We'll probably have our first one in the next couple of weeks. But for now... Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Join us again next week for another adventure. Goodbye for now.